0: Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me is Richard Benson aka Benno and it's going to just be me and Benno this week. James is um on, I think he, is he on holiday Benno? I know he's got a couple of kids so obviously the uh, six week holidays have kicked in now so I suppose it's mm-hmm.
1: taking up most of his time isn't it? That's it, let's say he's on assignments, that always sounds fa- sounds fancy when podcasts say that, he's off on assignments <laughs> and you can let your imagination run wild, is he off Watching NXT UK? Is he, is he going up to Scotland to watch some ICW? He's just on assignment, that's where he is.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. So James is on assignment, so uh, just me and Benno this week. So uh, how's things going, Benno? I mean, lots have been happening over here in the UK, it? It feels like this heat wave is all over the world, not only just here, we've got a new Prime Minister, more importantly... <laughs> More important than that, Hobbs & Shaw. I, I I can't escape these adverts for Hobbs & Shaw. I'm <laughs> sure you're getting uh, very excited about the latest installment in the Fast & Furious franchise.
1: Oh, you give me the the floor now, Martin. You give me a, anyone who listens to Grapple <laughs> Spotlight will know anytime I get a chance to shove in a Fast and Furious reference, I will. Uh at some point I'm gonna start that Fast and Furious podcast I've been talking about for a while. Um but yeah, I'm I'm excited. It's uh I think I'm more excited ever since WH Park told us that the uh, the name in Japan for the series, what is it? Wild Speed. Yes. Yeah, and the one uh like that, yeah. <laughs> that one set Fast and Furious six that was set in London and they they filmed some stuff in Liverpool was Wild Speed Euro Mission, which I'm still going to pitch. Would be a if we need a new name for this podcast, Martin Euro Mission, it could work. Uh, <laughs> but I've been, yeah, I'm a I'm a huge huge fan of the series, so yeah, I'm excited. Like uh, it's, I think the problem that like you say the trailer, you've seen it a million times, I've seen it a million times. It's one of those films where I do feel like the trailer gives away the entire thing. And you, you feel like you've like I've seen all the big Roman Reigns spots already. Uh, I've seen all the big, you know, link it into Brit Res or Britain. Idris Elba, one of our greatest set exports, Stringer Bell from the Wire, you know, he's in it and he's uh, he looks like a, it looks like a superhero film at this point, doesn't it? Like the gone of the days where it's just about a, a simple racing franchise where uh, basically it was point break with cars. Now we've got full on like Stringer Bell, like a like an absolute like evil. I don't know, comic book villain uh, at this point. The the trailer makes it look fantastic, but I am a little bit worried that maybe I've uh, I've already seen the entire thing from seeing it.
0: Well, I can't even remember if I've seen all of them, but what I do like from that trailer is that they look like they are... They realise how fucking ridiculous they are now, don't they? So they completely lean into that. Mm. It's like The Rock might as well turn around and wink at the camera, you know what I mean? It's that sort of tongue-in-cheek now, isn't it? But didn't they film some of this one, like in in and around the north of england now, i seem to remember the rock turning up at some gym in doncaster or something and idris elba like hanging around around yorkshire or something like that i'm sure they were like filming part of this one um around sort of mm-hmm. like the north of england and i remember there being a load of news articles about it when i was on holiday and i was like as if like the rock's just in a gym in doncaster
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i believe so that's the, that's the weird thing. it's like when they were overdoing six, like they were obviously spent some time in Liverpool, and there was people go, oh, the, the rocks down, or you know, on Castle Street, or he's in the middle of Liverpool city centre, and then you watch the film, and Liverpool is like a double for London, but it's still just amusing to see the rock driving through the head tunnel, um, just. Didn't fancy the ferry across the Mersey, the Rocky. Uh, he's a bit more of a classy man than that. But, yeah, uh, it it is always a big thing when these films come out. And they do do, do a lot of filming in, like, the, the European uh, locations, don't they? Um, I mean, it's a lot but, of yeah.
0: tax breaks against, is it, filming out. And oh
1: yeah. Bring would Bring as many
0: films <laughs> as you <he> want. <laughs>
1: That's the thing, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do I've got some objections to this series. I know. I think I'm not sure if Way is, but I know John's a fan of the series as well. I don't know how he feels. I'll have to ask him. But I'm a little bit morally conflicted on this on this film being out. They've turned Jason Statham face after he uh, killed one of the series' most beloved faces in hand uh, a character that he spent four films wreck on in his death. You he, uh, he's put all that effort. And then it was just like, ah, Jason Statham was really, he was really, really endearing, pulling tongues at the at a baby in the last film. So let's just make him a good guy now. Uh, and they've kind of done that. But to be honest, I'll still be there. I'll still be watching it. Um, it is it is the, the stupidest film series pretty much on Earth. I don't know where they can go. I think Space is probably next. Uh, it's basically like... It's like if Point Break got a franchise, somehow Fast and Furious got a franchise, and we've got this ridiculous whale building where people like me are crying about uh, characters that that died four films ago. But I'll be there. I'm considering doing the gallery in Odeon for it. Uh, might even splash out on some Ode- get get on the Odeon Unlimited. Have you got that? Do you, do you go to the cinema a lot? Um, I, thinking, yeah,
0: I used to have like one rip. of them Unlimited cards to cine but but. Um... Because where it is, it's next to the uh, Sheffield Arena, so if you ended up going down there when there was concert on or something like that, and it was like a nightmare to get parking. And, and every time we seemed to go down there, there'd be a nightmare for parking, so we ended up getting rid of them. But yeah, there's an Odeon near me and a bunch of cinemas, so yeah, because
1: it's cinema quite often.
0: So, um, but, yeah, like, I'm sure think, I'll be checking yeah. it out.
1: Yeah, that's it. Might put me over the edge. I'll spend the extra for gallery, you know, get all the popcorn and the drinks in, and watch it. And there are wrestling links, you know. Roman's in it. Cena's in the next Fast and Furious as well. Uh, let's just hope in the next one we get some hashtag Justice for Han. Um, and then I'll talk about my uh, my upcoming podcast series I want to do for it. Yeah,
0: the one the one I think you mentioned it to me when we first met each other. So that's a good few years ago now. So uh, <laughs> yeah, still working on it. Um, one thing I did want to bring up with you before we get into everything else is the end of the art of wrestling. I mean, that's coming to a close. Pretty sad news. I mean, I know it wasn't the first wrestling podcast, but uh, surely it must be seen as like the most influential and the one that inspired it mm-hmm. a million other podcasts.
1: Definitely the most prominent, I would say. Like, I think yeah, X Pac will always argue. I think he had this radio show going back years, and obviously it depends on what you class the podcast because you know Wrestling Observer Live goes back a long way as does a lot of the the Torch audio. But yeah, he's the it he was the forerunner, wasn't it, of so much other content? And I think he, I remember at the start, like I was a big. I don't know if you were listening to Mark Maron's podcast uh, where he does a lot of interviews. I think Cabana is a comedian, and Cabana. But, based a lot of the show on that and basically just applied it to wrestling. But if you think about the impact, you know, not just the podcast, but Cabana in general has had on the wrestling scene, the indie wrestling scene, the, you know, the episodes he did with the likes of, you know, PT Williams and Park and, you know, Tommaso Ciampa and telling loads of telling stories to a, a wider audience that maybe weren't always aware of, you know, some of these guys and in some ways giving guys breaks just by appearing on his podcast. It's been a, it's been a huge service to the world of wrestling, hasn't it? And yeah, I think Cabana, both with his podcast and with, you know, with his his trend setting with his merchandise and his flogging flogging his T shirts and, and all of that stuff, he was like a he became a one man business, didn't he? And kind of influenced the wrestling world in in many ways, not just with the podcast.
0: Yeah, and it was that sort of DIY mentality and he was coming out of WWE, weren't he, after a, you know, terrible experience there. And people have taken that as a template, haven't they? I remember uh, listening to an interview with Stephen Flutter a while back and he was saying when they first started up, uh, preston championship wrestling that he, he definitely wanted colt cabana on the first show because he knew he'd plug it on his podcast and get a load of people to come down to the show and it worked so i suppose he did you know that was a great service he did for himself that he had this podcast that was not only had these great interviews but it was also you know a great way to promote you know what shows you were coming on and knew we were going to get bookings because he had so many listeners that were going to like be hearing all these bookings he had
1: that's it. Yeah, it was almost like tour dates at the end of the podcast, wasn't it? You know, he's the first first to do that. He had his live shows, so he got himself bookings through that as well. Uh, it's just a shame, really. I mean, I've got to be honest, uh, I haven't listened to it in, in a little while since yeah. he changed the format. Uh, and even towards the end, I mean, all, all good things, you know, there's only... It was the same format for a long time, so it's understandable if he got burnt out or if, you know, maybe people like me were maybe picking and choosing more. But yeah, they you know, without that podcast, you know, does does Bruce Pritchett get into the podcast game? Does Steve Austin? Does Chris Jericho? Maybe they do, but probably in a different way. Um Cabana was certainly the first though, and yeah, you know, definitely definitely influenced a lot of people.
0: and Well, I suppose also, um, before we move on to anything else, it, it's I remember uh, Conrad Thompson doing that show with uh, John and Way. I think it was WrestleMania last year, and him saying about you know the guest-based podcast. It was always about how big your guests were going to be, and then they're always going to run out. and He was on about people's rolodexes, and you know people mm-hmm. can only hear the same people so many times, and then I suppose so it, it has got a shelf life, like you just said there, about it, especially if it's all based on which
1: guests you've got on which week. Mm. that's it they haven't got NXT UK to talk about every week like we are. <laughs> <laughs> keep you going <laughs> you need he those get, hot topics can talks. have
0: it if he wants yeah there you go <laughs> doing an NXT UK yeah. podcast but anyway I mean before we get um just want to say a huge congrats to uh, Davy and Braden on selling out their uh, SummerSlam block party I mean absolutely fantastic I mean got a chance to hang out with those two last year and uh, such great guys no doubt be a fantastic party I mean Benno are we going to be doing a, a Liverpool block party next year invite everyone round? and you can you can take us around the Beatles <laughs> experience, take us on the ferry, take us around to your house for tea and crumpets, maybe.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Uh, yeah, if we get, maybe uh, everyone could come over for those OWE shows that are coming up in a couple of months that are going to obviously sell out and uh, and do gangbusters. Uh, maybe I <laughs> My own black party going, but no, definitely uh, congratulations to uh, to Davy and Braden. Like, that just just shows how beloved those guys are and uh, how, how much people love their podcast. I'm a big fan myself, so that's great to see. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, everything else going on that weekend post wise will, uh, will go the same way.
0: You know, we haven't got much to review this week, so it'll be like a news-heavy show, but we did watch uh, a few things. Uh, Fight Club Pro, a promotion we haven't really discussed in a, in a few episodes. Uh, they seem to have really caught the travel bug this year. They headed over to Japan to do a show in January, and then most recently added to Madrid in Spain to hold a show in conjunction with White Wolf Wrestling. Uh, this was on the twenty uh, third of June, and it was entitled Project White Wolf. Uh, the two main events really here, yeah. Pete Dunn taking on A-Kid and then a triple set match for the Triple W title between Travis Banks, Carlos Romo and uh, Jason Jupiter. Uh, I mean, like, we'll get into the A-Kid-Pete uh, Dunn match first. I think it's fair to say we've been pretty down on Pete Dunn on this podcast for uh, a few months now. He's not been having the great matches that he had uh, of late the past couple of years and Mainly see him in NXT UK these days. Uh, A-Kid, on the other hand, is uh, one of the fastest rising stars of the European wrestling scene. Really great matches, whenever we see him. But this match, I've got to say, I absolutely loved it. I mean, the crowd and atmosphere was excellent. Anyone who's seen White Wolf on uh, on their YouTube channel or VOD will know that... uh, the Spanish fans make absolutely tons of noise and this was no different. I mean, obviously a kid was the huge home favorite here, but Dunn also got a great reception as well. Some great high flying around the ring. What I really liked about it is that the crowds right up against the ring. So it all makes it look quite intimate for a, um, a live viewing. Um, Dunn seemingly underestimated him in a lot of this match, but we had Neo Falls galore in the final stretch. Even some of the falls had me believing that A-Kid was going to pick up the win in this one. Uh, took two tombstones from Dunn to finish him off and pick up the win, but uh, I think this was easily one of my favourite Dunn matches the past six months, Benno. I don't know if you uh, felt the same way watching this on VOD
1: yeah i mean a lot of that's probably like you said there's not a huge amount of competition because he's you know he's on xt uk's tv and his appearances elsewhere are kind of sporadic uh i I don't think i'm as high on it as you but I, i did really like it uh I think there's something special about getting done in matches like this now. And it's probably because of the fact that we don't see him so much. He walks out and he's like you said, he's super over, isn't he? Uh, I saw at the full of F- wrestling show, um, a convention I went to, there was a few show and he came out as a surprise and got 10 times the reaction of anybody on that show. And the same kind of happened here. He's, He is such a star, isn't he? And, you know, as much as Wheel Rail on NXT UK, a lot of it's because of that. It's the exposure of that, the exposure of him on, you know, the the, the takeover propers that he's done as well. Uh, He almost feels a little bit wasted and forgotten at the moment, doesn't he? He's in a weird no-man's land right now, now that he's not the NXT UK champion, so he's not the focus of that show. I know there's obviously the feud going on between British Strong Style and and Walter's uh, knockoff ring camp. Um, But because that's kind of all he's really doing right now you kind of forget that he's there and he's so good and he's you know one of, probably one of the best British wrestlers going um interesting here that he's he's representing fight club pro as well you know he's not really in fight club pro anymore uh, as far as we know um, but it fit the theme overall so it was forgivable and yeah I thought he was great it was a it was a, I'd probably go maybe four stars or yeah, I'd probably say four stars for me, um, so I did really enjoy it, but it was more, I was just kind of enjoying getting to see Pete Dunn work this kind of match again, um, getting to see it there in front of maybe a, well, I suppose he's working the smallest crowds anyway, but in front of a rowdy smallest crowd. There was a lot of, you could kind of see him, like, there was a lot of, like, his usual strong, vicious heel work, but there was a lot of, like, there was a point where you mentioned the crowd can get really rowdy, and there was a point where they were trying to sing a song and pretty much ignoring the match, and you could see him drag AK to the outside and do the suplex on the apron spot and boom, right back in, uh, you know, just work them like a. Like the artist that he is. Um, I thought he was great in this match. I thought the crowd were well behind A-Kid. Those uh El Nino's uh shouts were yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, when he's fighting back with his, you know, his moonsaults and his drop kicks, and I think he reversed the um the bitter end into tornado DDT at one point. Um Pete Dunn, you kind of forget how good the base he is, and he was such a great base for for those kinds of moves from A-Kid. And yeah, I really enjoyed it as a match. I thought Dunn gave him a lot. That AK kick out at the the bitter end. He kicked out at the better end. It took multiple tombstones to put him away. I was maybe a little bit, maybe the difference with me is that I wasn't so much biting on those near falls just because it kind of felt like the big kickouts were kind of getting less cheers towards the end rather than more. Uh, I think maybe people just really believed it was over uh, when he hit the bitter end, but right up until that point that the crowd were really with it, even if maybe I thought the finish was a bit excessive. So yeah, all in all, really good match got to see got a nice reminder of why Pete done so good and again got to see a kid in his element looking great and looking like the the single star we all hope he's going to be at some point
0: it's a bit crazy cuz he's only 25 years old but uh much like uh, the role we've been talking about pack for the past couple of episodes it would be good to see uh, pete done in this role um, a lot more sort of like coming into these small promotions and sort of like much like Zack sabre jr did with a kid last year you know um, making you know picking up the win, but making them look like stars in the process and it is crazy that only 25 year old you know pete dunn's this veteran
1: who can come into a promotion and do that sort of thing that's it, yeah. He's he's almost like, that's it. The, the Brock Lesnar, you know, the, the part-time guy who comes back and gets a big pop and is more over than anyone else in the building. He's almost like, like you say, at his young age, a, a veteran at this point. Um, yeah, I'd definitely like to see more of him. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be on the Indies if he was on a. The proper NXT, a bit more, or dare I say it, main roster, but maybe I should be careful what I wish for. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a, a overriding emotion for me coming out of this was so, yeah, I don't want to see more of this Pete done. I want to see more of him mixing it up with, you know, younger guys like an and in, in maybe fresher scenarios.
0: And uh, the final match of the show uh, I talked about a bit earlier it was the three way dance for the Triple W title Uh, champion coming into this was jason jupiter someone who i've never seen before and then we also had carlos romo who's toured extensively around europe and then travis banks uh not knowing the results of this one i was see banks pick up the win and the title here a bit of a dodgy ending as a as a wrestler i'm unfamiliar with came out seemingly cash your money in the bank briefcase in but then was quickly quickly seen off by banks but enjoyable match uh, couldn't compare to the AKP Dunn one but uh, Banks looked pretty good and Romo's improving in every match I see and I thought Jupiter LD's, LD's own here with those two
1: yeah definitely I mean that that was kind of a, a note I had about the, the show as a whole you know the venue looks good it's great presentation great atmosphere I mean, I suppose the commentary would be in Spanish anyway if it did exist. But the no commentary does leave you lost a little bit, doesn't it? In big moments like that, when they they try and do a big cash in angle at the end, or even on some of the undercard guys, who wasn't really familiar with I'm having to have a, a second look at cage match to remind me of you know what they were called. And yeah, as you mentioned, that Jason Jason Jupiter wasn't somebody I'd heard of before. I didn't think he looked very good. Um, there is a there is a wide gap it feels between you know the A kids and. I think A Kids kind of feels like he's on a pedestal uh, as far as you know, this mm. this minimal amount of the Spanish wrestling. So apologize if I'm talking ignorantly, but the minimum amount of the Spanish wrestling scene I've seen it's like A Kids way at the top. Then Carlos Romo's a couple of rungs below him. And then just based on these cards that we've we've floated in and out of, at least for you know, for for Triple W, it's you know, for for White Wolf, it the likes of Jason Jupiter are kind of filling out the middle ground and you know, obviously you know, I've got got a long way to go. But, you know, giving him a chance like this and, you know, he is their champion, but putting him in a match with a a Travis Banks, you know, you can only get better. Uh, I thought Travis Banks was great for his role in the match. It was a bit like watching Pete Dunne. uh, Again, a reminder of seeing Travis Banks just in a really fun indie match. I know he's still doing, the you know, the likes of Fight Club Pro, maybe a lot less than in the past, but I'd kind of forgotten about this Travis Banks. He seemed to kind of love being in there in a very very indie three way um hitting a few dives that he doesn 't normally do, and just out there having having a grand old time, um yeah, I thought it was a solid match altogether, but you, I do think you could see the golf in class. i think I do like Carlos Romo, but I did feel like he had a there was a couple of awkward moments in the match uh himself, him and Jason Jupiter tried to do this like cutter into a handstand that just looked really awkward. Uh, no one could really see what they were doing. There was a point where I think Jason Jupiter looked like he was going to try and do a moonsault off the bar, and then realised he was literally right next to the roof and had to shuffle along and, and reset yeah. himself. Just a, a couple of awkward moments like that in the match that kind of, for me, yeah, showed the the golfing class there. um But yeah, you know, the same as you, I was surprised to see Travis Banks go over. Uh, I thought he looked great. It was a nice little setup for doing that Money in the Bank uh, angle they did after the match as well. And yeah, presumably means you see you're going to see more travis banks uh in the promotion Um uh, and that can only be a good thing
0: yeah it's easy to see why akid and romo have been uh sent out as the uh spanish wrestling ambassadors isn't it you know it seems, mm. it's easy to see why they're getting all the bookings in the uk and everything um yeah but, but i mean sticking with fight club pro they've got uh two big shows coming up this weekend uh on friday in wolverhampton they've got return of the sendai part two headlined by chris Brooks and kyle fletcher against uh Dash and Miko Satomura, and then the following night in Manchester, they're co-hosting a Sendai Girls UK show. Most of the rosters flying in from Japan, Uh, headlining that one. We've got uh, Miko Satomura facing off against Tony Storm. Uh, Benno, uh, you're heading to the show on on Saturday, aren't you?
1: I am. Um, Not... You know, somebody who's really follows Sentai Girls, but it's just interesting. It's something different, isn't it? It's happening in Manchester, which is thirty minutes from me. Always up for seeing Miko and Tony Storm, so there's always that. But yeah, I'm quite quite interested in seeing what they do. It's very You know, it looks about as Sendai girls as maybe the Stardom Show with Eve looked, um, in that there's a lot of British talent mixed in. You know, the likes of Giselle Shaw, Isla Dawn, Viper, all over the card. Kaylee Ray in there with uh, with Dash. And, you know, it looks... uh, it looks like a fun card. Um, I think the the people who are into to, to send are seeing, uh, seen enough of their stars um, to make them happy and there's enough, like I say, uh, British and, and British-based women in there as well to to keep people like myself familiar. So, yeah, I'm going in with a, with an open mind. I don't know what I'm going to see. Maybe the, uh, the, the stardom documentary that I heard that the wrestlers was maybe a little bit wary of these kinds of shows. But uh, I'm expecting to have a good time. I'm expecting a good atmosphere and it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, our draws.
0: Yeah and um Millie McKenzie and Charlie Evans have formed a, a duo called Meduse Complex and they seem to be in Japan all the time now and uh yeah from the little I've seen of them they seem to be quite fun like really healing it up and everything so that should be quite enjoyable. But um I mean not to end it there on Fight Club Pro they've also announced heading to Mexico to all the show in Tijuana in September. I mean I know they ran Jan- uh, Japan in January but this really came out of nowhere for me. I mean <laughs> I mean, it's going to be in conjunction with The Crash, obviously. They're quite a newish promotion in Mexico. But yeah, I mean, Tijuana, I mean, you don't get as outlaw as that, do you, really?
1: Weird one, isn't it? I didn't even know about this until you put it in the show notes, and then, yeah, looking up on Cage Match, I just saw the Crash logo, so it made a bit more sense. Um I think, have British Strong Style been announced for that? I'm sure, I'm sure they had something coming up with the seen Crash. I've
0: not anything announced for it so far, to be honest. It would make sense, though, British Strong Style, especially if they're over in Florida for something, and it's a quick flight to Mexico, I suppose, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that would make it make sense for me. Um, but overall it's a weird one. Maybe it's something to do with the training school or just a, you know, Fight club pros I can't imagine anyone in Mexico knows much about Fight club Pro. Um, so yeah, I'm guessing something like that might it work, but you know, we don't watch a lot of Fight club Pro on this show and, you know, seeing it wasn't really a Fight club Pro show, it was a White Wolf show, but seeing those wrestlers in a different scenario was a, you know entertaining and yeah to get to see you know if a few of their guys the likes of omari Aussie open etc are over there I'll, I'll certainly give it a look just more for the the curiosity factor more than anything
0: yeah definitely it's almost like they're like oh we're sick of wolverhampton now where can we run next mm.
1: <laughs> yeah never no, mind Go down south let's uh let's let's go as far west as we can or east <laughs> as it were.
0: yeah it'll be like argentina or somewhere next year but um I mean, on the last show, Benno gave us his live report from Progress Chapter Ninety Two in Manchester, and the main event of that, Walter and Ilya Dragunov. Uh, the night before that, though, they'd headed to Newcastle for the first time for Chapter Ninety One. Uh, the show's since arrived on VOD, and we won't go through the old card, but we have to talk about a fantastic match between John Devlin and Ilya Dragunov. Uh, first time match between these two, I thought they clicked instantaneously. Both are obviously very intense in the ring, and. You know, fairly slow start, uh, but really hit a new level mid-match, both trading huge moves after huge moves, near falls galore. I mean, the most noticeable thing about this, as well as uh, it being a great match, is the crowd was with them all the way for this one. Huge reactions for all the near falls. uh, Some awesome counters, especially Devlin turning a potential torpedo Moscow into a Canadian destroyer. uh, Dragunov eventually picked up the win, but... Definitely a coming-out party for the Russian in progress, I thought. Who, mm. He's had a pretty tepid response so far from the progress crowd, especially that Pete Dunn match at Wembley last year. But crowd was fully into both wrestlers here. I thought this was a cracking match, Benno.
1: Definitely. I mean, this is a this, for me, that's a big note I've got, that this was a, a weekend where Ilya kind of finally connected in progress. Like you mentioned, I saw him against Walter the night after in Manchester, and he was so over there. And maybe he wasn't over to the same degree here. At least at the start of the match, but he was by the end. And yeah, I think people, I kind of had that worry with Ilya that he, he's just a bit weird. Um, kind of the the, the rushing gimmick and the the intensity uh, when he was when he was plucked out of WXW and plopped into Progress, it did feel a bit strange. It was, it kind of felt like, well, in WXW we just accept it because that's Ilya, and then you put him in another scenario and it's like, ah, oh, I'm not so sure on on this character. But I do think it's worked finally. Um. Obviously, the, the Pete Dunn match at Wembley, he was kind of dwarfed by Pete Dunn's reaction. But I think if he did that match again, I think he would be much more over to the progress faithful because he's he's proven, you know, what we all know, that it, he is one of the best in Europe, along with, you know, Jordan Devlin. Um, So, yeah, I thought he was great. I thought the match was great. I thought it was... a. Uh, for what for progress, I mean obviously maybe the the long term booking can still be questioned, but as far as a, you know weekend long booking doing this match, and then the winner the next day getting to face Walter was solid weekend long booking it made the match mean something it gave it stakes at least for you know the live live crowd there as well um and yeah, the wrestlers delivered it was just a it's kind of an intense battle, wasn't it? the first ten minutes I was yeah. watching going i'm in, I'm enjoying this but. You know, maybe it's not at the level of you know that everyone raved about, but there was a point where I think Devlin hit a Spanish Fly, and then Ilya hit a lariat in response, and they did a double down. And from that point, it just went to another level uh, with Ilya and his Van Terminator and the that awesome spot you mentioned before, that Devlin counter to the torpedo Moscow into the Canadian destroyer, and yeah, they pulled the crowd right in, they pulled me right in, uh, and it was a really, really hot match with a with a great finish and stretch. Uh, I, I kind of you know we're right in the middle of the G1, so it's hard for you know a match like this to to get some traction, it seems to be a little bit forgotten at this point. Um but I would implore people to go back and watch it because yeah, I really enjoyed it and I thought that yeah it was a, a good example of uh of two men that, you know, in a lot of ways Maybe you could make the argument Devlin with Star being missing now should have won super strong style, but overall progress seemed to be getting Devlin right now. They seem to know who he is and you know what he offers to cards, and they seem to be you know let's see how they they capitalize on this weekend for him getting Ilya right. So yeah, and uh, you know we spent last show uh, moaning quite a bit about the progress booking, but maybe that's a, a couple of bright spots on the card that maybe they can uh, they can get right um, as shows go on the next few months.
0: Well, I liked about this match as well because like. Uh, right. Uh, false finishes and near falls can be like overused in matches, but I thought they got the right dynamic here. There wasn't too many and they just got it to the right point uh, just before uh, mm-hmm. Ilya picked up the win. So I did like that about the match. And, uh, I mean, Devlin, it's just, um, he's having a, I mean, we're all talking about David Starr and certainly Will Ospreay has sort of like been, uh, you know, midway through the year wrestlers of the year, but I think Devlin's having a sneakily good year as well. He had uh, obviously those great matches in OTT with David Starr and, uh, and Walter on the main shows, and then he's been having good ones on the Contender Show, and then this one as well. He's, he's, he's certainly like, even though he's um, appearing for NXT UK a, a lot, um, mm-hmm. he's been having a, a lot of good matches in in other promotions as well.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's, it kind of gets maybe gets a bit forgotten when we have these conversations, like you say. I think maybe part of it's the the big OTT shows haven't been quite as prevalent, but. Yeah, when he has a match like this, whether it's a big name like this or uh, a lesser name, like we're going to talk about a little bit later, you can always count on Devlin to deliver. And yeah, he is, he is one of the best in Europe right now. So hopefully, you know, uh, Progress can, can use him a bit more as uh, as the year goes on.
0: And Progress have got a very busy couple of months. I had five shows lined up. Uh, firstly, we've got Chapter 93 in London on the 28th of July. And uh, the full cards are announced for that. We've got... Ricky Cain-Page against Travis Banks, who've got uh, Danny Luna v. Giselle Shaw v. Jody Threat v. U in a four-way match. Uh, Do Not Resuscitate, yes, they are still going. Spike Trevane-William-Ever against (laughs) the NIC. Uh, Lucky Kid against Paul Robinson. Uh, Irie against uh, Michael Oku. CCK against South Pacific Power Trip team of uh, Niwar and TK Cooper. And then... It looks like it's going to be the main event. Uh, Aussie Open taking on Grizzled Young vets, James Jerking and Tag Gibson, who have not appeared in progress for a while, have they, Benno?
1: Apparently they left. That's what they said. And now they're coming back. <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, actually, yeah, throw it back in my face. I just said, oh, yeah, we want to see more. More Ilia and Devlin, there. things progress again, right? Where are they? <laughs> Nowhere to be seen. Where's Walter? Where's Jordan Grace, the alleged progress women's champion? uh weird card isn't it i mean travis banks is there i suppose and we've talked on this show before and i've talked about you know if i was progress i'd be trying to reset things and make some new stars and you know putting batches together like lucky kid and paul robinson and giving michael oku a, an interesting spot against the era are things that i'd do but i think maybe the 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 negative of trying to do a rebuilding period is yeah, you're kind of left with a card where what's the main event on this thing? I suppose suppose it's gonna to have to be Aussie Open again. Yeah. They kind of by default became progress main eventers, haven't they? Yeah. Um, with the lack of everything else, anything else kind of going on. Um, yeah, it's weird. These shows where you know the NXT UK guys they are seemingly allowed to use, and I say allowed because it I feel like it, it it's up to them in a lot of ways. Uh, aren't there? Um, you know, David Starr who it felt like a last minute decision to put him over in super strong style. And here's another show that he's missing on the, on the road to, to the big September show at Ali Pali. Uh, the loss of Will Osprey was kind of anchor in the tag division earlier this year. And you're kind of left with cards like this, aren't you? Um, it's not sold out at a time of recording, uh, which is a little bit concerning for not even a little bit quite concerning for an electric ballroom show. I'm sure it'll be close enough, but yeah. Uh, interesting times for progress and, yeah, I think we we could all give, cut them some slack and say, you know, the the rebuilding and it's going to take time to get guys like Lucky Kids Kid and Michael Oku over. But I don't know, with the overall booking patterns the last couple of years, I'm not 100% convinced they ever will get them over to that point. So, yeah, a, a show like this does kind of uh, expose what, uh, you know, we moan about NXT UK's in, impact on the rest of the British Indies. But there's an obvious impact on it, on progress here as well. And it's uh, clear as day for anyone to say.
0: I mean, it seems like that's a tryout match for the four women there. I heard uh, Michael Oku on um, your mate Matt Richards' podcast recently and he was absolutely raving about this. Danny Luna never seen her in a match before but yeah they were both going on about how fantastic shoes, so it'll be interesting to see uh See how that goes. Um, obviously, that'll probably be the second match. I would have thought it's, <laughs> it's said on cage matches. The <laughs> second match, anyway. I don't know if they're fucking the pissed there or what.
1: Um, you know them too well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, then they're heading over to Canada for two shows. One's going to be in conjunction with Smash Wrestling in Toronto, and then they've got their own show in Toronto the day after. And uh, for the Smash one, it's obviously a mix of uh Smash guys and. Um, and progress, guys. Uh, a few, obviously, never heard of some of these guys. Walter against Kevin Bennett in a singles match. Uh, you've got Ozzy Open against the Pillars, Brent backs and Tyson Ducks. Think of a Tyson Ducks on a few shows before. Uh, Jordan Devlin mm. against Tarek. Jody Threat against Tony Storm. Psycho Mike against Trent Seven. And then Jordan Grace. There you go, Benno. She's back in progress against uh, Casey <laughs> Spennell. He had to go You're have course, to fly the whole portion, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where is he?
0: Any thoughts on
1: the uh, Smash card? I
0: suppose it's hard to give you thoughts when uh, I suppose it's similar to me. You might not have seen many of these guys wrestle before.
1: No, yeah, that's it. The only thing I'd say is uh, this is obviously, you know, uh, they're going to be over there and it's going to be a big weekend. Uh, progress kind of could. In an an alternative world, you know, put on a strong card and get a lot of buzz about them. But the problem with cards like this is, because of Progress's current situation, it's not like it's going to be live on fight. We're probably going to see it five to seven days later, and is anybody going to care at that point? Mm. Um, Fun for the live audience, and I know we've got a lot lot of Canadian listeners who are probably made up to get to see Progress live. Um, Hey, maybe it'll be on the WWE Network. I mean, Evolve got on there. Uh, (laughs) There's the... The WWE the, the, uh, Network, I think we're expecting this week, aren't we, in the conference call, uh, the WWE conference call. They're yeah, going to be is. in... Yeah, so maybe, maybe, you know, SummerSlam weekend, you could put maybe, maybe not the Smash card, but you could put the, the standalone cards on the network. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe that could give it a little, a little bit more juice.
0: And, um, and then, well, like I said, they've got the night after, and that's more of a straight-up progress show. There's a few names littered in there that haven't appeared progress before. But then... Uh, uh, Walter against Paul Robinson is the the main event for that one. I mean, uh, I'm sure it'll be a, a cracking match, but it seems a, a random, random, randomly thrown together match there.
1: Yeah, I don't usually get mad at promotions tweets, but the other week, right, Martin, they tweeted something about Paul Robinson and they announced the Lucky Kid match and they said something like, "Paul Robinson's on a roll. Will it continue?" I was there in Manchester. He lost to Trent Seven. For <laughs> God knows what reason. Trent Seven's in the opener here. I mean, come on, at least, at least do that. Give us that. Give, give Robo a win. Let, let him, let him, you know. Give him a bit of credibility going into this Walter match. Um, yeah, a bit of an odd one put to put him in the main event. I'm sure it'll be good though. You know, while Paul Robinson being the dickhead heel he is getting chopped around by, by a bigger heel in Walter, who'll probably be the de facto babyface for this one. I think I could, I could definitely get some enjoyment out of that. Devlin and Banks is on the show. Okay, it's a match. You know, we might say we've seen a lot, but you know, for our Canadian friends going there live, I'm sure there'll be people hyped for that. To be honest, even Eddie Kingston, Trent Seven, you know, it's not a match I, I maybe would have wished for. But look, a couple of big lads; they're probably going to chop each other quite, large, quite hard. That could be fun too. So yeah, it could be a could easily be a, a sleeper card for the weekend. This one, if and when it ever makes it out on VOD.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we'll hear all about it off uh, David Portman and Braden Anyway, I'm <laughs> sure they'll be heading down for that one. And um, I mean, they've also recently announced will be progress will be heading to France for the first time. In conjunction with APC, a promotion, I must confess, Benno, I've never heard anything about before. I don't know about you.
1: No, I've never heard anything about it. Uh, didn't know there was a French wrestling scene. What well, we call ourselves European wrestling correspondents. Disgraceful,
0: uh, I know. And then finally back to the UK for Chapter 94 in London at the end of August. So a pretty busy sort of like couple of summer months for them there. Nowhere near as busy as uh, last summer, thank mm-hmm. God. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's all been overshadowed now, because obviously they made a, an announcement a few days ago stating that the Progress Atlas title, which has been held by Progress Champion Walter since Super Strong Style 16, will no longer exist, and they'll be replacing the belt with the Progress Wrestling Protus Championship, I hope I <laughs> pronounced that correctly, Um so whoever's champion um, decides what the championship's going to be. Uh, Jim Small gave the example of the hardcore belt in the in the announcement video. It could be a hardcore belt or a hybrid belt. Uh, and the new champion's going to be decided in a rumble match at their chapter 95 show in September. And I mean, Benno, I'm sure we're in agreement here that since unifying the Atlas belt with the Progress Championship, they needed to do something with it, and probably getting rid of it was the right decision. But what are your thoughts on this
1: Proteus title? Yeah, uh, you pronounced it better than I did on the Grapple podcast. <laughs> I don't People listen to that to get what, where I went. Um, but yeah, it. I mean, the Atlas belt, the the fact that Walter was still carrying it round was a bit daft because I probably would have done what ROH did with the Pure title back in the day when Nia McGuinness Um unified both of their belts, and it just kind of quietly disappeared. I think I'd quietly have disappeared it by now. Uh, To be honest, I mean, I was looking at the post-forum and uh, Christian, who's, who gives us feedback sometimes, one of our listeners, kind of summed my, my feelings up because he was kind of saying, like, look at how they've booked the Atlas and the women's title. You know, do you trust progress with another belt? Mm-hmm. I mean, the big thing with progress is, as Christian rightly said on the forum, they're, they're so into uh, having heel champions, you know, Walter and Jordan Grace were both baby faces when they won their belts. Now they're heels all of a sudden for no real good reason, just kind of they fancied it over Super Strong style weekend. And like Christian says, like a belt like this just feels like they're going to give it to a cowardly heel. They're going to create some kind of weird rules that mean that they get to hold on to the belt, and then we get another another heel champion in progress. Uh, I really can't see that, that though. Where it goes. I think it's either that or it's just the jokey belt and the you know, they've been influenced by Spud with his 24-7 belt on hmm. WB Which TV. Has been funny,
0: I must admit oh. doing those things. <laughs>
1: Tell you what, talk about grabbing the brass ring. Like Drake Maverick Spud, like he, they had no plans for that man, and he has he got himself over on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and he's probably consistently the most entertaining thing on Raw. And uh, always good friends with Glenn, Glenn Joseph as well, so maybe that's where they borrowed the idea. So yeah, I don't want a progress version of something like that, but yeah, definitely props to sport. Um, but yeah, it just feels like a a random idea thrown in to shake up the undercard, and you know I'm not just based on recent evidence i'm not hugely positive on what will happen with it but i suppose i'll go in with an open mind
0: i suppose if they do take it seriously and try and give it to somebody and give them you know get another guy sort of over it ooh, is there anybody you could see like potentially sort of like them getting behind
1: i think the most likely scenario if they're going to treat it seriously and you know if they're going to avoid our fears of creating some kind of heel champion you know, put it on Chris Ridgway. Um, do Tetsujin rules? Um, he's teased that on Twitter himself. That would be what I'd do. Um, remember, Chris Ridgway. Do
0: that
1: though. Yeah, that's true. But you only have to do it for a few months, I suppose, and then you can switch it into something else. Um, but yeah, remember Chris Ridgway, they were pushing him. Um I don't know what happened there.
0: True, yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but, yeah, I suppose you'll if you, if if he's gonna be in the country, you can do something with him. Um that that would probably be my idea. But yeah, it's kind of without knowing uh yeah, exactly what the booking plans are and it's hard one to speculate on.
0: Yeah, it will certainly it will be interesting to see what they do with it. Um but I suppose we're gonna have to wait till September for that one. But uh moving away from the UK and onto uh, Ireland now and OTT the contenders 15 show guaranteed irish with uh, all the wrestlers on the show being irish on the 21st of july in dublin and i mean we discussed with jamesy on the last show or a couple of shows before how much talent is bubbling under in the irish scene and this show was uh, a good showcase of that i mean the main talking point coming out of this one was the main event between callum black and jordan devlin and only seen callum black once a uh, contender show i think uh earlier in this year when he faced carlos romo and really really impressed with him uh the main event here, though, was uh, another level for him. Uh, a month full of great matches, and this was definitely another another great match. Uh, good story as a more experienced Devlin seemingly trying to show uh, Callum Black up here, but uh, Black slowly, uh, slowly rather showing Devlin he was no joke. Uh, Devlin picked up the win, obviously, but great performance from Black here, I thought, Benno.
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. I think it was... For me, not the better of the two Devlin matches we're talking today, but maybe the one I enjoyed a little bit more. Uh, I think because of that story, though, because you kind of had that, you know, Devlin playing with the rookie and, you know, Callum Black was very obviously kind of being led by Devlin in this one, you know, with the comparative experience. But I thought he looked good. I thought, you know, when he did get control with his kind of his power moves and Devlin selling, kind of getting frustrated by him, they told a really good, you know, veteran versus kind of young, powerful guy story there. Um, and in the end, you know, they, they kind of made it about maybe Callum Black doesn't, you know, even really come close to winning. But he at least gives Jordan a fight. Like you said, that that finish where, you know, he, he shouted at Jordan, you kick like a bitch. And then Jordan came back <laughs> and just had to kick him to death. Uh, I really enjoyed that as far as a bit of a, a bit of babyface fire. You know, so even in even in loss and even in, you know, relatively definitive loss, that's something you remember about the match and you kind of remember the name Callum Black from that he got his he got his big moments at the end you know uh, uh, Jordan left him the ring uh, to himself so you know he kind of got made in defeat and definitely a name that wasn't hugely on my radar apart from maybe a couple of references from Jamesy um, but definitely a name that I'm gonna be keeping an eye out for going forward
0: and, uh, Jordan seems to be perfect for these. Obviously, he has these uh, big main events on the bigger OTT shows, but um it's similar, in a way, to the A-Kid match he had uh, earlier in the year on a contender show, you know, the smaller shows. He's kind of like the quote-unquote veteran coming in and, uh, you know, making these guys as well and having matches like this where, you know, it starts off with him pretending like, oh, yeah, you're nothing to me, I'm the big star and everything, and then they gradually get his respect. And I like that he's he's doing that on these smaller shows, still sort of like... Uh, able to make a lot of guys similar to sort of Pete Dunne uh, with A Kid in White Wolf. Because um, obviously, I mean, OTT caught some clack a few years ago, didn't they, for ironing too much on imports? But it seems to have gone the total opposite direction. There's so much great Irish talent, and uh, after this mm. performance, Black surely deserves a shot on one of the biggest shows, I would have thought.
1: Oh definitely. You'd think they'd capitalise. Um this thing's got a got a bit of buzz from both the people there live and, and now from the people watching it on VOD. So yeah, you'd like to think he will be getting some getting a prominent spot um on one of their upcoming shows. And yeah, hopefully they can uh, they can make something with him.
0: And similar to Modern Hype who are getting bookings all over now, aren't they, based on sort of like the <laughs> matches they've been having OTT. Hopefully people will be bringing the likes of Colin Black over to the UK and uh and moving away from that now, uh, Andy Ogden from Graps and Claps Podcast back this week with his monthly look at some of the lesser-talked-about promotions in the second uh, instalment of Going Under Graps.
2: Hello and welcome everyone once again to Graps and Claps Presents Going Under Graps. Bringing you a rundown of what has been going on in the British undergraps scene. This time focusing mainly on shows from Tidal wrestling in Leeds, breed pro wrestling in Sheffield, and lastly, future Shot wrestling in Stockport. Plus, I will go through what to expect in the coming months on the underground scene in the UK. So without further ado, let's get into what went down at Tidal Wrestling on Friday the 28th of June at the Temple of Boom in Leeds with their high tide 2019 show. In the main events of this show we had a fatal four-way title match contested with the newly crowned champion Chuck Mambo taking on the challenge of H.T. Drake, Brady Phillips and finally Joe Nelson who was brought in as a wild card for many to uh, replace the injured Sean only who was un- unable to compete on the evening in what was an all-action match that some are calling one of their uh, British matches of the year and we're only in July uh, it will be Joe Nelson who pulled off the shot victory to send the sold-out crowd into raptures by pinning Brady Phillips with a si- sliced bread to win the TCW Championship and write his name into Leeds Wrestling Folklore. In other action, we had Sugar Dunkerton in, in, in one of his last appearances before he made the trip back to the States, taking on Leeds Wrestling legend Rampage Brown in a battle of former title wrestling champions. In what was a great back-and-forth match, it would be Rampage getting the victory with a huge power driver for the victory, in around 15 minutes to stake his claim once again to the big belt and send Sugar wandering back into the Leeds night, ready to recharge his batteries for an impending return sometime in the future, possibly September. In other notable news from this show, we had TCW Women's Championship uh, change hands with Little Miss Roxy defeating the champion Shakara via a DDT to become the first ever two-time TCW Women's Champion Plus we had a setup up for the next show for the tag team titles with the Lion Kings and Crash Boat both staking their claim on the July 28th show to take on the Crown of Thrones team of B.A. Rose and Henry T. Grodd who are the champions in a freeway lead street fight which is expected to get wild. So if you are interested in watching the show I fully recommend you check out this show on Tidal's on-demand service or visiting the uh, High Spots Network, where you can also access this, plus all of their shows from the past. The added bonus of the um, VOD of this show is you can hear mine and my brother Jeff's dulcet tones and describe the action like the wrestling version of the hit UK TV show, Gogglebox, or you're in for a treat. Tidal's next show is on the 28th of July, which is a Sunday, Back again at the Temple of Boone featuring Joe Nelson's first title defense against the three hundred pound monster from Lincoln, Will Cruz. Also, we have Boris Kozlov taking on Joseph Connors in a match where, if Boris loses, he must leave the promotion. Take into account though, Boris is uh, currently zero and two in matches against Connors, and uh, there is a what some could call a number one contenders match for the TCW title with Rampage Brown taking on. Brady Phillips, plus as mentioned, the freeway lead street fight, which will main event. The Crash Boat taking on the Lion Kings, taking on the Crown of Thorns for the TCW Tag Team Titles. Before that show as well, there's an all-women's matinee show featuring Little Miss Roxy, Rio, Debbie Kaitel, and Silesia Sparks, to name a few. So make sure you go and check them out. Next up, we get into Breed Pro Wrestling show that took place at the Hex Nightclub on Sunday the 14th of July in Sheffield. Now, this was my first visit to this venue, having only seen Breed at Sheffield City Hall, Walkabout and the Abbeydale Picturehouse. And I do have to say this venue is more suited aesthetically to their product, despite the run-down gents' toilets and grimy rock vibe nature of the venue. The promotion, who have been running for about six months now, uh, they are on the road to what some people are calling the Sheffield WrestleMania, sheffle um to shorten it. Uh, on September the 8th, as Brie Pro Wrestling takes over the devil's Ass at um, Pete Cavern for Star Cave. Actual wrestling in a cave featuring stars such as David Starr, Schadenfreude, Mike Bailey. And internet underground wrestling sensation Daniel Macabee, plus the usual Ghana breed regulars, including G Money, Session Moth Martina, Spike Trevay, and TK Cooper. So, let's get into some of the key moments that happened on this edition of Breed on Sunday the 14th of July. We had the clash between Big vs. Massive as uh, Big Guns Joe took on WXW Star. Yearn-Simmons, in what was a bit of a mismatch, as a much larger Simmons put away Joe in around 10 minutes with a lariat and then a pile-driver combo to get the victory. Despite the loss, Big Guns Joe is still one of the most entertaining acts on the underground scene and is certainly one person to keep an eye out for as his career goes on. In a woman of steel semi-final qualifier to face the breed pro, Women's champion Ivy, uh, plus the winner of the other qualifier in a freeway title match at the Cave. It was Candy Floss defeating Nottingham's own Kanji in a hard-hitting match, with Candy Floss submitting Kanji with the candy cane armbar to get the victory. As to be said here though, uh, Candy Floss showed a more serious side here compared to the persona you do see weekly on NXT looking at the lights for Ginny. Uh, we finally had confirmation of Gene Money and Martinez feud slash match coming to an end at the uh, at the cave with the announcement of a death match titled Death Match in a Cave to finally end a match which first started at the Sheffield City Hall show a few months ago. Spent lots of shenanigans in this one as a, as especially Gene has been one of the breakout stars of the scene in 2019 with his Baker Streak in uh, Baker Street inspired music. Array of hats and his um, famous, famous finishing manoeuvre called the uh, Ainsley Lariat, possibly in honour of UK TV chef Ainsley Lariat. You might remember him off Ready Steady Cook as well. Well, hello, Jill. Uh, we had uh, Spike Trevay win a four-way match against Brady Phillips, Sean Custom and MK McKinnon respectively to have the chance to name his own match at the Cave. In turn, he chose the one and only David Starr. Two matches you should check out when it's released by Breed Wrestling Online. Uh, Charlie Sterling vs. Scotty Davis, in which Davis beats Sterling with a cradle driver in a great match. Davis is one wrestler who has changed my opinion wholly since the first time I saw him. Sterling is another who I haven't seen for a while, but has all the tools to be a star in the business, but has been criminally underused or underutilised by promotions in the UK and has uh, applied a lot of his work, mainly in Ireland with OTT, teaming with Zach Gibson and Sha Samuels as the uh, Rapture, if I'm right in thinking. In the main event, we had the leader of the new breed champion, Joe Nelson taking on the hard-hitting Gabriel Kidd, who had recently been accepted to attend the New Japan LA Dojo by Katsuyori Shibata. So this is possibly one of the last times we see Kid before he flies off to the States. Kid is um, certainly someone who has worked very hard in the last couple of years with his look and his style of work, very akin to Stan Hansen in the nineteen eighties. Plus, he's very good at getting a great reaction from the crowd when he's usually in his bad guy persona, not taking any not taking any shite from the uh, punters in attendance. Nelson, who has already made a couple of successful defences, made another one here as he defeated Gabriel with a sliced bread in around 15 minutes to retain his championship. Joey, who is only 17, is making a real name for himself on the underground scene with his recent title wrestling championship win to go with his title defences on Breed's um, shows. He's another wrestler who could break out in the next year or two. You've heard it here first. Uh, with that said, Breed Pro Wrestling runs their net show as part of the We the Indie Show, taking place on Wednesday, thirty first of July, with five other promotions to show off the cream of the UK independent scene in cooperation with the We the Independent Movement. With David Starr also making an appearance in between to talk about the operation. Breed's net show after that is on Sunday, the eighteenth of August, taking. Plays back at the Hex, with matches already announced being Rampage Brown versus Dan Maloney in a big Hoss battle. And Big Guns Joe taking on the Session Moth Martina. So go and check it out via their social media channels online. Finally, on ongoing undergraps, Future Shot Wrestling held another show at Stockport Town Hall on the 14th of July in front of another packed crowd with a grudge match, no DQ, main event women's tag. What a mouthful that is. Uh, Between long-time rivals Lana Austin and Holly taking on the Future Shock Women's Champion Alexis Falcon and her friend Tonga. In a really solid edge-of-your-seat contest that went all around the town hall, it will be Lana and Holly getting the victory to enhance their chances in the future of getting a Future Shock Women's title shot against possibly Alexis Falcon, who's the champion at the moment. Uh, I guess this will probably happen at the anniversary show at Presswich in August. Other matches on this card included both male Future Shock sh- champions in singles action as Future Shock Adrenaline champion Joey A's took on Northwest legend and resident chicken Damon Lee in another back and forth contest with jo- where Joey came out on top. In the other singles match, it was the newly crowned Future Shock champion, Sona Durson, who defeated John McGregor at the last Presswich show, taking on CJ Banks. After the victory here for Sona, who was confronted by Joey, where they both had a face-off, which has now provoked a match between the two at the anniversary show in August. In a title-versus-title winner-takes-all match in what on paper could be a possible UK match of the year contender, as these two are regarded as two of the best on the northwest scene. Before that, though, the two have to coexist as tag-team partners as they take on the Grizzle Young Veterans. Uh, you might know them from NXT UK uh, and Progress as well, Zach Gibson and James Drake at the Future Shock Tats event on the 4th of August in an all-star tag team matchup. One other notable note uh, that took place on the show at Stockport was after his win in the Big Joe's Little Man Challenge. John McGregor was attacked by his former sexy gents tag team partner Kevin Lloyd, who is now under the tutelage of the purple pant-wearing Isaiah Quinn. Um, So this is another feud that is sure to come to a head at Future Shock's anniversary show. As ever to see any of this action in upcoming shows, go and check Future Shock Wrestling's on-demand service plus social media for any details about their shows. Upcoming shows for Future Shock, as stated, are Future Shock Tap taking place on the at the Fairfield Social Club in Manchester on the 4th of August. Then it's onto to the Future Shock Anniversary Show at the Longfield Suite in Presswich on the 17th of August. And finally they are back at Stockport Town Hall on the 15th of September with the main event of CJ Banks, the old gatekeeper, uh, taking on the returning, the bastard, it's pack. Show review's over, just a couple of closing notes before I bid you farewell. Both Future Shock Wrestling and North Wrestling showcase some of their talents on Progress Wrestling's Chapter 91 and 92 undercards. With Chapter Ninety One featuring the landed gentry, the team of Benji Connor, Renshaw and Zayo Knox taking on Screwface, Ahmed, HT Drake, and Fraser Thomas in a losing effort um, to Screwface, HT, and Fraser. And on Chapter Ninety Two in Manchester, sonna Durson defeated Luke Jacobs in an excellent ten-minute showcase match, which can above you know be viewed on Progress Wrestling's Facebook page. Uh both matches I would say went down well with the crowds in attendance and the future looks promising for these wrestlers to make further appearances with the promotion in the future. So next month ongoing undergraduates I will be coming back with reports of Tidal Wrestling's double header in Leeds taking place on july twenty eighth. Future shot tap taking place on the fourth of August. GPW Grand Pro Wrestling and Tidal Shows on the sixteenth of August. PCW and Future Shock's respective anniversary shows <clears throat> on the 17th of August and finally Breed Pro Wrestling show on the 18th of August to bring an end to what is a stat month of wrestling on the underground scene in the UK. So there you go. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this edition of Going Undergrounds. And as ever you can follow me on Twitter at oggypart3. That's O W G Y P A R T 3 thats oggypart 3 Uh, Please go and give my podcast a listen as well, which is Graps and Claps Audio, uh, which is available on Podbean, iTunes and all other good podcast outlets, which will carry extensive reviews of these shows, plus chatter about toilets, Chris Snacks, Weatherspoons breakfast, beer and other random stuff that us uh, us Brits chat about away from the wrestling. So, with all that said, I shall bid you farewell till next month.
0: Bye-bye! Thanks again to Andy. And uh, Benno, Andy was talking about Breed Wrestling there, who have announced that they're in conjunction with the We The Independent group, uh, the group set up by David and James Musselwhite, that's uh, seeking to provide security for independent wrestlers by getting them representation from the likes of Equity, the Performers Union. Uh, They're doing a show at the end of July, uh, not only teaming up with Independent, but also five other promotions, Pro Wrestling, Soul, DNA Wrestling, wrestling resurgence pro wrestling clash and north wrestling uh each promotion hosting uh, a match on the car and uh benno we've not really talked about this uh we the independent group on the podcast uh, before i mean it's had its critics but uh surely wrestlers having some kind of representation and something to fall back on is a good thing
1: oh definitely the the the, the idea behind the entire push is, is a really honorable one um i think maybe the likes of me and you you know grizzled uh, followers of the brit res scene start thinking about remember the brit res council um, yeah, and things wow. like that <laughs> different things alex shane's tried to put together <laughs> in the past and you know even even down to like a show like this where it's ma- a match from a different promotion that's another very alex Shane move um, but no the people behind this seem to be you know but they're upfront about what they're doing. You know, they've got their own podcast series where they've uh, been explaining it. James Musselwhite is, uh, it, it seems to be doing really good work. Um, and he does seem to be, you know, somebody, him and the rest of the people behind this have all got their the heart in the right place. Uh, I've seen some criticism because David Starr's face of Brandon is over everything, and you kind of go on the website and he, he's all over the place. But I don't know, I've, I've kind of thought that that criticism has been a little bit harsh. Okay. Yeah. They're selling t-shirts and it's a cool t-shirt as well. Uh and yeah, in some ways this makes David Starr look really good. Uh and it does get David Starr over with this whole, you know, independent shtick that we've uh, seen these last few months. But again, you know, the the real idea behind it about, you know, getting wrestlers better representation and getting better rights for, for independent wrestlers and you know, dare I say the idea of some kind of of proper union, uh, not just here, but you know, worldwide. It's a uh, it's a really honorable thing they're trying to do so yeah i really do hope that you know the the good work they're putting in does come to come to something and we get you know maybe some some better conditions for wrestlers and you know some of those small victories that they're they're aiming to get
0: yeah it's like you say it is easy to be sort of like uh look at these things with this thing considering all the things that have happened in brit rest. but it's like you know they uh you know the hearts are in the right place and, and you do hope that this uh comes to fruition it does uh from something big for an uh, independent wrestler to fall back on. Uh, definitely, um, w- you know, wish him all the best in it. But um, moving away from that, and um, after what I thought was a fairly lukewarm start to the G1, it kicked into a uh, sixth gear last week as we saw some fantastic matches from the two British representatives in the tournament. Zack Sabre Jr. had a great match with Tanahashi, and Will Ospreay had two absolute bomb burners with Kota Ibushi, and, and then Okada, I mean tournament's um just gone to another level here i mean osprey okada along with tanahashi omega and devlin walter i mean my matches of the year so far Benno.
1: yeah uh, as far as like you know g1s go it, it felt like it's been a slow start so far but yeah mm-hmm. those matches are definitely definitely share your opinion that it kind of it felt mm-hmm. like this is where the G1 has properly started, and yeah, our lads are kind of right in the middle of it. Uh, I'd say especially Osprey. Uh, the Abushi match was just it was the match of the Tony, and then it kind of got you know, Osprey outdid himself again in the Okada match, but that was incredible. I mean, have you ever seen a wrestler like I, I Ibushi and Osprey about both the same, where you're never quite sure whether the injuries are legit or not, but you buy every time they sell, every time Osprey landed on his neck. It was scary stuff. But you kind of watched it question, am I, am I being worked here? Is it is it as you say? <laughs> uh same with Ibushi with his with his leg. Uh, but yeah, that was great. It was really kind of a really grimy, gritty fight, more than anything. Um as well as, you know, a great, you know, athletic exchanger kind of match. So I really like that. And yeah, the Okada match just you know, it was your typical Okada match with maybe your slow Okada start, but yeah, the chemistry those two have gone. We've seen it a number of times now. Um, some of the near falls in that, some of the, you know, the rainmaker counters from, from Osprey into, and the, the counters of, of Okada kind of landing on his feet. Uh, when, when Osprey went for the stormbreaker and hitting a rainmaker, uh, it was just there was so many so many great exchanges in that one as well where it felt like maybe Osprey got that little bit step closer uh, to maybe beating Okada um, it's not going to be happening anytime soon but I've wanted it ever since they had their match in Reading that uh, both me and you were at in 2015 so hopefully hopefully we get that one day um, but yeah that was great and Zack Sabre yeah you're right for his part he's been very good too uh, to be honest my most notable Zack Sabre match so far is that Bad Luck-Farlow match mm-hmm. it was kind of the best thing you could do with Farley, which was Zack Sabre Jr. basically running away into the crowd and then tying up a battle of Farley and then running back into the ring and getting him counted out. Uh, it was great. As far as, like, comedy, quote-unquote, fun matches go, uh, I really enjoyed that thing as well. As, you know, the technical wrestling exchange we got with Tanahashi. So, yeah, I would say yeah, our boys are and Zack Sabre. I've have, uh, have gone a long way now into kind of pulling this into it really feeling like the g1 now and really feeling like we're we're getting going with the uh, the match of the year candidates
0: um, I suppose uh, Osprey's doing it in the ring, but uh, Zack Sabre, it's out of the ring. It's all the character work. <laughs> and obviously, he came into this thing uh, incredibly cocky. And then, you know, him crawling down the stairs and like ripping things down and just being, you know, a, a big crybaby about everything. It's been absolutely <laughs> fantastic in his in his promos. After I think he's been um, obviously, he's never known as a talker or anything like that. He was mainly known for his technical uh, ability. But yeah, he's really in the past sort of like year and a half, he's really come on leaps and strides in sort of like his character work and his promos. And I'd say he's a—he's uh, definitely one of the best out there at, at doing this sort of thing. Been really enjoying that. I mean, but I mean, um, sort of sticking with New Japan, obviously they've got the show in London, Royal Quest, uh, coming around the time the G1 finishes. And um, we've discussed a few times what we could see main event in the show, but Red Pro announced they'll be holding a tag tournament with the winning team getting a shot at the IWGP Tag Team Champions at Royal Quest. Uh, Going to have four quarterfinal matches between now and then, uh, with two being announced so far. We've got Aussie Open against the Rascals, and then uh, Dan Maloney and MK McKinnon against Team White, Wolf, A-Kid, and Carlos Romo, two matches announced so far. I mean, surely, Benno, I mean, uh, it's going to be Aussie Open and winning this thing and challenging whoever's the IWGP tag belts. I mean, they've been around long enough now, and then obviously um, they're Mm -hmm. easily sort of like in... um, the biggest team obviously kyle fletcher's put a lot of a lot of uh, mass on since uh tanahashi gave him a talking to uh (laughs) wrestlemania weekend but uh yeah surely it's going to be these two guys uh, heading into royal quest
1: it's got to be hasn't it um yeah i I was just thinking about that tanahashi moment and uh you'd expect the new japan officer aware of aussie Open, so probably more comfortable with putting them in the slot than say a team white wolf who've got the we believe NXT UK connections or the Rascals who are more of an indie slash impact slash Dragon race, I think, at one point. Team, mm. uh, yeah, it's got to be Aussie Open because it's not going to be MK McKinnon and bloody Dan Maloney. Uh, maybe <laughs> that other match is Gabriel Kidd and Sean Jackson against Ken Halfpenny and Brendan oh, White. I had
0: not seen that <laughs> one announced.
1: Young boys, it's just you know, the dojo guys. That's a bit odd to have in like a... They haven't announced the fourth match yet, but to have that on there as a, as a potential qualifier for Royal Quest does seem a little bit odd. kind of shows maybe the lack of depth and field um, in Red Pro's tag division right now. I'd expect, you know, Bodom and Shaw to be one of the other teams. Mm. Uh, but then again, you know, Shaw with his turning up at an NXT UK taping, maybe, maybe that won't happen either. Um, so yeah, if, if I was going to fancy book it, I think I'd, I'd probably say Aussie open team white wolf end up in the final. And I'd, be very surprised if uh, if it's not aussie open who uh, who get the the appearance at royal quest um because yeah they've got to be on the new japan radar and will cooling's been banging that drum for a while for new japan to use them with the you know australia's right there you know as far as japan goes <laughs> you, you know they do shows in australia you could tie that into um yeah let, let's hope that that's uh that is the uh, the end game of this thing
0: and obviously i think they've been teaming uh teasing rather uh, a kid and carlos romo breakup and maybe a match <laughs> between them two so Should do that. yeah yeah mm-hmm. so if that is in the final then you know one or the other could maybe uh you know end up getting the loss for their team and then maybe we could see that match at summer sizzler it certainly uh would make sense uh for something <laughs> like that to happen but moving on to the rest of the show and uh They've announced a few of the names for it. Ibushi and Liger being, uh, outside of Okada, two of the most prominent names. Uh, I mean, you care to fancy book their opponents? I mean, um, assuming this is going to be Liger's swan song in the UK, uh, I I, for, I figured you could maybe see him take on someone like a, a James Mason or someone similar going back to Liger first coming to the UK in the late 80s, maybe a callback to something like that. Or do you think this is going to be a Japan be Japan show?
1: Um, I think it should be a Japan versus Japan show. Um, I was on record with my complaints about the uh the Allstrigum shows and the fact that they were very Rev Pro uh rather than proper New Japan. This feels like proper New Japan. And I think they should be careful about doing that. I think it should just be really New Japan matches with the odd guy bled in. Um and if you're gonna do it, please not MK McKinnon. Um, you know, maybe maybe Michael Oku, you know, to to capitalise on the on the buzz he's got at the moment, you know, a young junior you could put in there with with Liger. Um I'd be open with them doing something like that. Um, And you you could get away with it, with it potentially being, you know, one of, if not, Liger's last appearance over here. Uh, So maybe you could get away with it there. But to be honest, yeah, I don't think I'd want it. I think this should be a proper New Japan show. I think 6,000 odd people have bought tickets. And, you know, with all the respect in the world to RevPro, they haven't bought it to watch a RevPro show. They bought those tickets to watch New Japan. So let's hope we get as close to the real thing as at least our U.S. cousins get.
0: Any any fantasy or any sort of things about Abushi's opponent maybe at this show?
1: Hey, I'd take Abushi Osprey again. Um, <laughs> uh, my dreams are crushed of Osprey beating Okada and cashing in and getting his title shot at World Quest. Probably not happening now, is um, it? I could see it maybe being Zack Sabre Okada and us getting Bushi Osprey. That would be a big enough match for me. Um, or you could do Ospreay, uh, Zack Sabre and put a Ibushi against someone else. I would like, yeah, a top line Ibushi match though, whether it's against Okada or dare I say Naito uh, again. I'm not sure the world is ready for that yeah. one again, <laughs> uh, but I do think a lot of it's going to depend on what happens with G1. I think we're going to see these matches announced very close to a uh, showtime, but unlike the US, they've sold all the tickets now. So it's, it's probably not the end of the world that we're going to have to wait until uh, to see how the G1 plays out.
0: And um, I mean, well, I, I'd be remiss of me not to uh, ask how you're doing in the post wrestling uh, pickups <laughs> for the G <G1>. one. <laughs> Did you have
1: to? I'm doing so bad. James I'm is literally... still
0: riding high, is he?
1: Oh, I James James he's still doing all right, I think. Like, as far as the, I checked this morning, I had a little look at the uh, the standings this morning, and they've got like a, a mini league now. I think we're C Block, uh, the post wrestling correspondence, and I'm second from bottom. And below me is uh, is Davey Portman's girlfriend, and then wow. above oh. me. Above me is the rest of the world, uh, and James he's among <laughs> that. Um, and he, he, I think it's it's all quite close still. So there is a chance that I can maybe pull it back, but yeah, it's not looking very good for me right now. And yeah, I think last year where I was kind of flying high in the early days is uh, giving me a lot of overconfidence. Maybe next year I need to uh, spend a bit more time doing my picks and uh, and not embarrass or all British contingent uh, this time. Ta- uh, this time out, uh, but you never know. Long tournament to go. I've got Okada down as winning the whole thing. Not many other people have, um, so I'll take it if that happens. And maybe I could uh, fly back up to the rankings uh, and catch up with the likes of uh, Davy Jamesy and uh, and waiting and even the rando bots above me, Martin. Like it, it, <laughs> if that doesn't tell you how badly I'm doing right now, um, yeah, it's a uh, it's not been a, a very good few weeks in the Pickums for me.
0: That means that I mean, still staying with Japan and, uh, and the news of Ben K defeating Pac for the Open the Dreamgate title at, uh, Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival and, uh, not had a chance to see the match just yet. Uh, there was so much other stuff to watch. But, um, I made a few jokes on Twitter about Brisk Rest fans finally being able to rejoice that didn't go down <laughs> too well. Um, I mean, you managed to watch the match. How was it, uh, Benno?
1: It was fine. Uh, I, I didn't love it. Uh, I think, I mean, I, I saw people talking about it as, you know, it's it it's the culmination of a, a big story in Dragon Gate. I get that. I think you may be after. It's not the type of match that I would say you can really just parachute in and get uh, from reviews I've read and from, you know, other people really raving about this thing. A lot of the references that were kind of doing in the match and throwbacks to, 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 to spots and, and that type of stuff it kind of lost on a, on an outsider like me jumping in. So I think on grapple, I gave it 3.75 and I'm probably one of the lower people on that app for the match. Uh, I much more, I much prefer the other pack matches I've seen from dragon gate, particularly the, the dragon kid match where that was just, you know, your age old wrestling story. That you could just jump in and get into right away. Um, he's great though. Park. I mean, as far as, you know, we've had complaints about, you know, his use over here in Revpro pro specifically because of, you know, him not wanting to lose uh, being dragon gates champion. But as far as, you know, being the, the top heel and promotion and carrying himself like a champion uh, and it being a big deal when he lost, it was. Um, and it was a massive deal in Dragon Gate. So, you know, I think he'll, he'll be happy with, with, with himself. But, yeah, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm probably one of those people you're talking about, Martin, where, yeah, I'm maybe glad that we've kind of got that news from around PAX neck in some ways i'm sure it's uh you know it's a voltage news in his case but for, our, for us and for the other promotions we want to see him in the likes of rev pro and even an aw uh at least it maybe opens up some more interesting booking possibilities than we've uh, had so far
0: yeah because after that uh pack the osprey match uh, osprey was sort of like going on about maybe doing sort of like an Iron Man match with him or something so maybe we'll uh, end up seeing that at some point before the end of the year but um who knows? But well, uh, moving on to a few uh, news items that we head out of here. And uh, Fighting Spirit magazine has announced that their next issue will be their last. Uh, Starting in 2006. Had some uh, great articles from the likes of Jim Cornette, uh, regular guests on this show, Will Cooling, and, uh, and John Lister, who, who wrote some great pieces about uh, British wrestling's uh, past. I think he uh, compiled them all into a book, which is well worth checking out. And, uh... Also, uh, you, Benno, and uh, and James, who have contributed to the magazine, I mean, I'm no expert on print media, but they, they seem to have weathered that storm, the initial storm, when uh, tons of magazines and papers seemingly were going out of business a couple of years back, and uh, I mean, we'll not kid ourselves that we had the cachet that Power Slam had, or they might have been talking in the same breath with them, but still an enjoyable read when I picked up an issue, and uh, sad to see it go,
1: Benno. Definitely, and I feel like it, it kind of picked up the mantle from Power Slam. I know there was some overlap there, but, yeah, Power Slam was a huge part of my childhood. Um, uh, pretty much followed that magazine right until that one ended. And somehow, yeah, you know, Brian at Fighting Spirit managed to, to keep this this going, you know, way into 2019, which is probably a, a longer shelf life than anyone could could rightfully expect from kind of a magazine, just with just the way things are now. And, yeah, personally, I mean, I... Get into go to a go to a David Smith and buy a couple of copy of fighting Super magazine and add a you know. Things written in it by myself, and also getting to see things by Jamesy and Will. But that, you know that that felt like a big moment. Um, it, it you know, it still meant something. You know, if you get your get your writing in print, especially in a magazine like that that that, that is available pretty much around the country and around the world, it, it was always a big deal, and it provided the platform for many more talented people than me. Like you say, Will Cooling, John Lister, uh, the list goes on as far as you know people who, who wrote really, really great stuff um, in Fighting Spirit magazine. Uh, like say myself. I got to at least highlight the likes of sandy beach matt brooks shake el sham in the in the one to watch segments which was a another th- good thing the magazine did you know it, it became you know while there wasn't much brit res coverage you know in power slam fighting spirit magazine kind of picked up the slack a little bit there um and shined a light on a lot of you know unknown british talent and unknown british writers and yeah it was a you know a really you know big part of uh of brit res fandom and of being a fan in the uk too so yeah really sad to see it gone and just overall you know uh, brian elliott who was the the long-suffering uh, editor for so long um the fact that he the amount of work that that man did for the to bring this magazine to life and the professional job that he did um shouldn't be underestimated it was a, a really incredible piece of work and yeah I, I, i've i been enjoying buying it and i'm sure uh, a lot of fans will miss it now that it's gone
0: Yeah, that was the main thing that I did really enjoy about it. How much uh, light they did shine on uh, British wrestling. They had uh, reviews of uh, shows in there, and like you know, (laughs) there the uh, and it shone a spotlight on uh, on wrestlers and you know people wants to watch in the articles that you wrote and other people wrote. So yeah, it will be missed, and I I did enjoy reading it. So uh, yeah, sad to see uh, another sort of like staple of uh, British wrestling go. But um, moving away from that now and onto NXT UK and. uh, some major spoilers coming for uh for the promotion so if you want to stay spoiler free and keep up on the network then uh skip about 10 minutes ahead now and because the latest round of uh tapings took place in Plymouth last week and we already knew going in that Tony Storm would be defending the women's title against Kaylee Ray at the takeover show in Cardiff uh but also announced at these tapings that Walter will be defending the WWE UK title against Tyler Bate and Bate v Walter at Progress at Wembley last year, my top two, one of my top two Euro wrestling matches of the year. Um, you think they can make lightning strike twice here, Benno, in Cardiff?
1: Um, maybe. Um, it's, it's the the phrasing Cardiff. Uh, yeah, I think it's not. But it, it's not the big deal, is it? That it that it was you know happening in Wembley. Although you know it is a takeover, so there's that. Um, yeah. I mean, I suppose it makes up for for progress not really going back to it. Um, this is kind of where you're getting the rematch. It's just maybe for people who don't follow progress religiously, like we did, this is a fresh match. But uh, a lot of us, this is a match that's been done already and done really well. So. I don't know, getting to see it again doesn't it doesn't really sell me. It it wouldn't make me, you know, cancel all plans to, to watch Royal Quest and to to watch NXT UK instead. Um, but you know, it we're still to like you said about Jordan Devlin, it gets lost in the conversation, but Walter's still one of the best wrestlers in the world, believe it or not. Um and Tyler Bates is very, very good and very talented, even if like Pete Dunne we don't see a lot of uh, in higher matches right now. Uh, there's every possibility that it could be a match of the year candidate, even if you know a lot of people aren't paying attention to the build, and even if it might get a little bit lost in the conversation in that day with uh, with all out happening too. So yeah, definitely uh, every possibility I could eat my words there, and they could absolutely kill it. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting match. Um, Tony and Kaylee Ray, okay, um, I could see. No strangers to each other, like you said. I think that'll be that'll be strong, too. Um, but, yeah, right now, there isn't much there that makes me think, oh, yeah, the, this is going to steal any spotlight away from the other two big shows happening that day.
0: Yeah, I still think uh, Walter and Tyler Bate will have a solid match, and it should be a, a raucous crowd. Um, it looks like ticket sales have uh, been pretty good for that. And, I mean, nothing else really made a chat from the taping. Street Profits and Matt Riddle appeared at them. Shaw Samuels, as you noted earlier, was in a dark match, uh, I, mean, I don't think there's much to make as Shaw being there, Benno, just so they can have a look at him and he can get a feel for what NXT UK is about.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, if things like this don't happen by accident, though. I think if he's there, I think they're interested. And I think uh, as much as, you know, I think, sure Samuels is someone who has been around the block a million times so we've kind of seen him in every possible scenario at this point so he's not a huge loss to the brit res scene uh but if i was nxt uk i'd probably i'd probably snap him up as well and do that um but yeah other than that that was kind of the most notable thing i had from from these tapings i've been catching up on the tv the last couple of weeks and watching it and i will say the download festival actually looked better than than i thought it was um you know it wasn't just a it gots in a tent uh couldn't see you though martin it looked like you were you found something better to do uh <laughs> rather than being there watching uh, six lads, six interchangeable lads with beards and that Gallus main event on last week's uh, last week's TV. Um, what did you do instead of going to watch uh, NXT UK, Martin?
0: I think, I can't even remember the taping that we went to. I remember that, I, I think there was a, a dark match with Shayna Baszler in there. I'm assuming that never made uh, air. Made, uh, um, so yeah, I did actually go in there for an hour and had a, a good look around. The crowd seemed to be up for it, but then it also, atmosphere sort of like fell off mm. the cliff after that. But uh, yeah. Zach Gibson caught a fantastic promo, I remember, when I was at the tapings going on about, like, oh, you call that music, and, oh, I'm staying at a five-star hotel coming out with, like, carrier bags <laughs> on his shoes. But then that all that was ruined as he was calling everyone, like, goths and everything, when um, he, he put a, a picture turned up with him and Corey Taylor from Slipknot, uh, like, <laughs> the day after.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. So,
0: yeah, clearly clearly a big a big fan of the goths is, uh, is Gibson. But, yeah, oh, I, I mean... Uh, nothing to really grab you from these tapings. But I suppose the hard thing is when you are watching them live is to know what's from the taping and what is uh, sure. just for the for the live crowd.
1: Yeah, that's it. And. Um... You know, I bring up the download ones because these tapings didn't look, you know, much more exciting. It did sound like, you know, the US talent went over quite a bit, you know, mm. riddling the street pots and the street profits winning their matches kind of shows you what NXT UK is as opposed to uh, the actual proper NXT. Uh, I mean, one big note I kind of had from, you know, this little mini catch-up of NXT UK is there's a lot of talk in promos in, in building up uh, the matches. Trent Seven building up his match with Walter talking about being there since the beginning. Um, Tony Storm, I think, was described as a nxt uk original a lot of originals talk and it just reminded me by god this brand's been around since 2016 uh, i still think of it as like we're just getting started we're yeah. gonna get going soon and it's been three plus years three and a half years but it, 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 nowhere um so yeah it, not much it sounded like from these spoilers coming up that that would make me hugely excited about it and draw my attention away from everything else going on it just seems to to rumble on nxt uk it's just a, it's that show on wednesdays that not many people seem to be watching and until maybe things move with the network i think it's just going to be much of the same going forward
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd forgotten it was two thousand and sixteen and we had uh Dan Maloney when he all those things he'd seen. Uh that's uh <laughs> that's a long distant memory now. But um just uh final note before we head out of here, ICW have of the two night Shugs House Party Shugs House Party six uh events coming up at the end of July and originally supposed to be Jeff Jarrett facing off against Jackie Polo and uh Jarrett putting pay to your theory that he's cloned himself and it being ten places at once has had to <laughs> pull out of these shows uh, to be replaced by Kushida as as random and as an announcement as you can get here i think Kushida, obviously they got on the blower to triple h and he was like uh <laughs> yeah Kushida, yeah there you go
1: there's Kashida. jackie polo and Kashida. yeah i <laughs> get yeah, that's it like who've we got lying around you know poor Kushida. uh he, he's he's someone who went from You know, he was in New Japan on the cusp of being a heavyweight and was probably always too small to be a heavyweight in reality. But he he swapped that life to to go to to America and learn, you know, the NXT slash WWE style. And somehow he found himself in Scotland working for ICW against Jackie Polo. Just okay um weird one uh it does feel like yeah he's just someone they didn't have plans for um someone vaguely familiar to the fan base so let's let's throw him out there and yeah unfortunately replacing jeff jarrett um yeah maybe maybe there is just one jeff jarrett all, after all and he just uh he gets around a lot but i wouldn't be surprised jackie Polo pulls a mask off and it's jeff jarrett underneath that'd be that will be a good icw angle maybe we'll get that but really really bizarre match i i almost you know I, I can't say i'm desperate to see this show um as i am with most icw shows but out of morbid curiosity i really want to see what this thing is
0: and i mean kashida's done numerous shows in the uk before for the exactly, and, yeah. and, uh, red pro i remember him complaining on colt's podcast that uh the uk promotes a uh, just ate McDonald's because that was all that was open after the show. So if uh, anyone from uh, Scotland's listening <laughs> to this now, please take Kashida to one of the many, many great restaurants you've got up there. <laughs> Don't just feed him McDonald's. I just remember that. I was like, so random. I was like, surely that is not the... Uh, I, I get you traveling up and down the road going all to all these shows, but surely, you know, poor old Kashida. there. He's a uh, liver turning to putty as all he's eating his Big Macs is on his on his tour around the UK. Poor lad. Uh, But anyway, uh, just before we head out of here, uh, Beno, we had more fun over at Grapple Spotlight this week. Uh, I mean, to defend JP, there was a a guy, a bit of a geezer I used to work with a few years back who said
1: sucking diesel all the time, so it's not
0: not (laughs) something he's totally made of. I have heard it before.
1: Uh, that's, I just thought that's where Zack Sabre Jr was getting his promo material from he was uh, <laughs> Probably stealing it from JP uh, but yeah we uh, we fought through Joe was uh, a bit ill and I'm just getting over a cold so we, we managed to put an episode out on Monday we've been recapping the, the G1 going week by week um, in the second half of the show and in the first half of the show it's the uh, the usual madness we were, were known for I think this this week we got derailed by talk about Ryan Giggs Nails doing the Clown it's kind of the way the show goes uh, so yeah if you if you do uh, a, a more random take on the overall world of wrestling, uh, Japan, US and obviously some Europe mixed in as well, you can listen to us on Grapple Spotlight and yeah, this this uh, coming show this coming Monday, uh, Joe's going to be away so uh, we're going to be drafting in uh, the man who's missing today, Jamesy, so if you uh, you need your Jamesy fix, uh, you can come and check out Jamesy on uh, on Grapple Spotlight this coming Monday, we'll get some of his G1 thoughts, he can gloat about being second in the post-pickums uh, I've just had the look, he's right behind Davey Portman uh, so we can talk about that uh and i'm sure we'll uh, probably get the rail talking irish shows between him and jp there will be lots of uh glenn row talk so yeah check out that podcast grapple spotlight uh wherever good podcasts are sold
0: and of course post wrestling forum leave us your feedback for this week's show and uh we'll be back on the 7th of august talking all the latest from the european wrestling scene thanks for listening and we'll catch you then